Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. God is doing. If you have your Bibles, turn with me over to the book of Acts, the book of Acts chapter 2. We'll get to that here in a minute. And actually, I have to put out this disclaimer since we did 8.30. We'll see what happens in this sermon because I didn't even get out of the introduction at 8.30. So, yeah, so it, uh, it, it, it'll be something. We'll see what, what happens. Um, so this morning, what I want to do is I want to talk to you about a subject that I have often struggled with, okay? So you need to understand, this, is, uh, this message is not coming out of a book somewhere. This message is not coming because I saw a video or had a better idea. This has been forged and is continuing to be forged in the crucible of my daily life. Okay, and so I am speaking to you from my heart. And I'm speaking to you with something that I often struggle with. Because it's something that does not come easy to me. And I suspect that for most of us, with the exception of a few rare people, it probably doesn't come easy for all of us. I have to work at this. And I, I need you to understand that. So I'm not coming up here as some sort of expert or some guru, if I can use that terminology, of I have all the answers here, because they don't. But what I do have is I have what I believe God is giving me, and that is his mind. Because I often fail and fall short of what he is convicting me of and what I believe he is speaking to this church. And I believe this morning this is significant for our church. Now, before we get to our text this morning, I want to draw your attention to a passage of Scripture that every time I see it, captivates my thinking. And quite honestly, I see it often. And the truth is, so do you. Because this passage of Scripture actually is displayed on one of our sanctuary walls. And it's been there for several years now. Now here, let me just do a little bit of a segue. The problem with that kind of thing is we grow familiar with things. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. John 3.16, one verse of scripture that defines the entirety of God's mission among men. The whole Bible. But we are so familiar with it that it just loses its oomph. See, the problem with familiarity is if you're not careful, you lose the impact behind what you become familiar with. Amen. That's why God doesn't ever want to be treated common. That's why in, in families, if you're not careful, 
you can become so familiar with one another, you lose respect. And you actually start walking in dishonor. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So I want you to listen to these words. Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 13 says, Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection. And take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. See, where is that written? I don't, where is that written at on the, does anybody know where it's written at? Thank you. You were in 830 though. It's written right there. Right there underneath the big word relationship. I see that all the time. And you say, how do you see that? Well, you know, I'm, well, I see it right now. But lately what's been happening is in our intercessory prayer meetings, which we have right here, we, we, we have a, uh, we, our team gathers and we put the chairs out and we sit in a circle right there and we pray. And I usually sit right about there and every Monday night I see that verse, I see that verse and God's been working on me. And I begin to notice this and I begin to pay attention. And so I begin to look at this and, and the thing that happened here is I, I begin to realize that this one passage of Scripture is really speaking to us. And he begins by saying, don't just pretend to love others. Now the reason that captivates me is because he uses the word pretend. He's actually speaking to a church and he's saying, don't pretend to love. How many know that in the context of church, you can pretend to love people? And he's warning us. He goes, don't, don't pretend. And he goes on to add emphasis. He says, really love them. Really love them. Now, I'll be honest with you, church. I, I struggle with this. And I know you might be sitting back and going, wait, wait, wait a second. You're in the people business. I got, it, it boggles my mind too. I, you know, I've had lots of conversations with God about it because I'm a really good cave dweller. I, I do really well by myself. I don't, and, and, and somehow it's like, what's happening? God's saying, no, no, I want you to really love people. Well, that's tough. You know why? Because not all people are created equal. Well, wait a second, I thought, no, 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 no. We are all different. We are all different. We are all different. And sometimes some people are harder to love than others. Now, I know I'm the most lovely of you all. <laughs> That's not tr even close to being true. But sometimes we struggle. But God is coming on the scene and he's telling us, God is telling us how to have revival in a church. And he says, don't pretend. Really love them. But that's hard. Because you've got to make a decision to really love people. 
You have to want to. I remember, I, I tell this story a lot. I, I remember years ago, this was, I don't know, probably about five years ago, I was at CVS and I was getting a prescription. And I had gotten my prescription, I got back in my truck and I'm pulling out of the parking space and I'm starting to turn on the little alley that goes to the, to the road. And, and as I'm driving, I see a young woman that had been coming off and on to our church. And she's a young woman that had oftentimes met me at the altar and dominated my time. And, and she was, you know, very clingy and, and all these things. And, and it was always very hard for me because I could never, it was always like a fight of futility. Because I would tell her what, give her advice and she wouldn't do it. And then crisis would happen. And I'd tell her. And, and, and so, nonetheless, here she comes, and I'm, I'm in one of those days. You ever have one of those days where it's like, you know what, God, it's best I stay indoors. <laughs> and that was kind of that day, and I remember she's walking up, and I'm, I'm, I am going, I, I mean, I am, my throat is tightening up, and I, I, don't, I don't even know what to do, because I know I, I cannot do this without looking obvious. How do you turn a four-door Silverado truck in the middle of a parking lot and get out of there without looking obvious? She's, all, she's making a beeline, and I'm like, oh, dear God. Let rapture now, rapture now. Now, 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 Jesus, come back. I, I don't want to talk to her. I don't, I don't. I don't want to talk to her. I don't. I know. Everybody's going, ah, oh, but you've been there. And so she gets a little bit closer, and then all of a sudden, our eyes lock, and I'm like, I'm had, it's done, it's over. And so I look at her, and I, I, I wave, and she waves back, and all of a sudden, this big smile comes on her face, and her whole countenance lit up. And you know what? Lo and behold, she walked right by the truck and kept going. And I sat there, I sat there. And I, I honestly prayed. I, I, was so, I was so frustrated, flummoxed, that I drove the wrong way home. I, I'm heading west when my house is east. And I, and, but then I'm praying, and I, says this, I said this to God. I goes, God, how do you do it? How do you love people like you do? <clears throat> how do you do it? And God spoke to me. He answered and this is what he said. He goes, I don't see the flaw. He says, I see what I created. I went, I went, wow. He goes, you know what your problem is, John? You see the flaw, and that's all you see. And you measure everything by the flaw. I don't measure anything by the flaw. I sent Jesus to cover and remove and restore and to take the flaw out and I see what I originally created. And I went, wow, thank you, Jesus. Because I am certain that I make some people as frustrated as she made me. And I pray that you don't see the flaw. I pray that you don't see my idiosyncrasies that drive you nuts. I pray that you just love me. But he says, if you really want to be loved, then why don't you try really loving others? Then he goes on. He doesn't stop there. Then notice he goes, love one another with genuine affection. I like, it. I like the fact that God is using some specific words here. He says, don't pretend, 
really do it. Then he says, how about having some genuine affection? Have you ever had anybody feign affection for you? Boy, it's, it's, you know, it's that really, you know, syrupy, sweet, and it's like, oh, get out of here, man. It's like, I got to go take an insulin shot just from the sugar you're pouring out on me. It's so fake. It's like, oh, how are you? You don't care how I am. You don't care even a little bit. He says, you know what? Have genuine affection. Genuine affection. Really love them. Then he goes on and he says, take delight in honoring each other. Delight in honoring. You know, honor is something in this generation that's pretty much lost. We don't know how to honor anybody. We just don't. You know, there was a day in our society when, when uh, people in authority like police officers and firemen and, and first responders and those, they would be honored. But now we live in a society that says they're irrelevant until I have a need and then you better show up. There was a time when pastors would walk in honor, but they don't anymore. They're, they're just like, yeah, you're, you're just you know, a money-grubbing guy that just wants to look important. Yeah, come on. Had it said to me. Yeah, way. <laughs> and so what we've lost is how to honor. Parents are no longer honored. God says, honor your mother and father. Do you notice he didn't say, if your mother and father is good? He says, honor them, no matter who they are. Well, you don't know what they did to me. I don't. And I know it probably is horrendous. And we have a way of helping you walk through that, and we can fix that, and Jesus can repair things. But that does not diminish the reality that to honor your parents comes with a promise of long life. And he says, honor one another. What does that mean? It means that you look for the gold, not the dirt. If I started in the front row, I could start right over here with this young lady, and I could move through, and I could tell you I can find some dirt. Pat, I can find the dirt really quick. I love Pat. I, Pat, Pat Philly, you are, uh, honestly, to me, you are probably one of the most interesting, precious people I know. Amen. I, you, 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 would, you would never have to do anything more than just be here for me to be glad. You wouldn't have to do anything. Just your life. Your life. And you know, I, and you know Donna, let me just, I, I'll just do this for a minute. Donna, the fact that I know that you pray for me every day and that you support me means that I will go into the fray knowing you got my back. And you know what, Larry and Linda, I, I cannot speak enough about this couple right here. Uh, you guys are, when, it, when the Bible talks about pillars of the church, if you look up pillars of the church in Webster's Dictionary, your picture's next to it. Amen. And what a lot of people don't know about Larry Imus, 
Larry, when, when Jacob's Ladder was really in 1991, when Jacob's Ladder in 91 through about 99, when it was in its fledgling stage in those times, when Jacob's Ladder was really struggling, Larry was a judge here in town. And Larry, <laughs> it was funny. I'll tell the story. <laughs> I, go, I go to court with a young man that was in my program, and he was in Larry's court. And I knew Larry, Larry knew me. We just kind of knew each other from a distance, kind of through family connection, because Dan grew up with Larry, and we kind of knew that connection. And, and so anyway, um, I go into the court, and there's Larry, and I'm sitting there just as moral support to this young man. And so Larry calls him up, and they do their talking, and, and then Larry looks at me and goes, Mr. Poole, <laughs> yeah, I didn't do it. <laughs> He goes, Mr. Poole, he goes, and what do you have to say about this? And my thirst th first thought was nothing. <laughs> I'm, I'm just here to encourage the guy. And, and I, don't know, I don't know what I said. I don't know what I said. But I, I must have been good enough because Larry says to me, as a judge, as your honor, he says, he says you know, he goes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, put this condition on him for his release is that he has to be under your counsel. And so we did that, and, and th things evolved. And one day I went in, made an appointment, and went in and pre presented Jacob's Ladder to Larry. And so Larry began to send people. And in the heyday, in, in the, back before other programs started, Jacob's Ladder was running 150 court-appointed people every, every week, every week. And a large part of that was because of Larry. And Larry told other judges, and other judges, and, and we... This is unheard of. We tried to reproduce this in other cities, and they wouldn't. But because of the favor that was poured out because of this man on us, and, and I've told him over and over in my office, I've told him, if that's all you ever did, there are countless numbers of people that are going to heaven today because of Jacob's ladder, because he opened it up. Amen. See, and a lot of us, we just don't know that. We don't know the stories. And so what ends up happening is we see the flaw, we stop loving, we don't have affection, and we don't honor because we just get tired. Because people can be tiring. Let's get honest. I, go to Walmart. Go to Walmart today. And you're going to be tired by the time you're out of there. But see, there's a decision that you have to make, and this is what God's saying. And then he says this. He says, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Yeah. Notice he says, be ready. In other words, be prepared. Several years ago, I heard a sermon by a man. He's the pastor of Gateway Church in, in uh, Dallas, Texas. I believe it's Dallas, or it's at least in the suburb, suburb called Gateway very large church, probably 28 to 30,000 people. And, and Robert Morris preached this. He talked about his own journey with giving. And he said, there came a time when God spoke to him and said, I want you to put $500 in your wallet of $100 bills, and I want you to be prepared, and I want you to listen for my voice to who to give those $100 bills to. In other words, what he said is, he said, if you're going to be a blessing, you've got to be prepared to be a blessing. A lot of us have great intention of being a blessing, but we're just not ready to. I remember a couple years ago, I was driving down the road, and, and I was heading to the bank to put my, my paycheck into the, into the bank. And as I was driving down the road, there was a man sitting uh, in, a, in a motorized um, wheelchair, and he's sitting there with a sign. He's a very large man with a sign, older, and it said... Um, please help need food. 
And I remember as I drove up, God spoke to me and says, when you go put your check in the bank, you have them get $100 and you give him $100. So I went to the bank and I put my paycheck in and I didn't get the $100. So I went back home the same way I came and there's that man sitting there and it's hot outside. And I remember as I drove by, God went, do you hear me now? It was not the gentle, small, still voice. It was the voice of a father that meant business. And I immediately turned around, got the $100, and I got out of my truck and I stopped and I handed this man, I walked up to him, and I said, I got to tell you the story. I said, I'm a Christian. And I said, and God spoke to me in my truck as I passed you by and told me to give you $100. God knows your need. This man broke down and started weeping. And then he began to tell me the story that somehow his son or daughter, whatever, his child who had these grandchildren, had the children, had ended up in prison and now he's the caregiver for these children. And he says, I could barely take care of myself, let, let alone these children. I, I, you could see I'm, I'm handicapped, I can't, and I'm in this situation, I don't know what to do. And I told him, well, let me pray for you. I said, because God sees your need. And that man began to weep and cry. And, you know, in that moment, that's all that God wanted me to do. He, I, I, I sowed that money and I, and I sowed that seed. But what I've learned to do since then is be prepared. Be prepared. Because it ain't my money anyway. Be prepared. And that's what he's telling us. He says, I want you to be prepared. And then he goes on. He goes, now listen, he, notice the words. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Eager. Yeah, you know, Jason and Courtney, they love having people at their house. They really do. They, the more the merrier. I mean, they'll have 30 people at their house and it doesn't phase them. I'm, it drives me clean up a wall, man. I, I have, thir we have, in our immediate family with the grandkids and the kids, we have 13 of us. Is that right, 13 of us? I can't, anyway, 13, that's too many. It's, you all got houses, go to them. You know, it's like, uh, uh, I was, I'm not eager. They are. They, it's like, yeah, the more, come on over. Yeah, there's going to be 50. Yeah, we got a backyard. Well, it's 900 degrees out there. Well, we'll turn the sprinkler on. <laughs> I mean, that's just, that's just their natural bend. But some of us aren't so much. It's, we're just, you know, the kids come over and, you know, my, I, have, I have precious, precious grandbabies. I love my grandkids. But I have a bass speaker that has a port and they fill it with crap. <laughs> they, they, it's a hole that they put toys in. Bill Frank, there's a speaker in there. I have to, every week, every, I have to take the speaker out and empty all the toys out of the speaker. It's like, go to your home and do that on your dad's base subwoofer. Fill it up. <laughs> Do you know why I'm trying? I'm trying to make this funny because this is a tough subject. Because you know what? I've, I'm trying not to make this just my confessional, but I guess I am. I find sometimes it hard to be friendly. But I feel what I feel is... I believe God wants to do something special in this place. 
I really believe he wants to bring revival. But church, if we can't really love people, how can we ever expect to walk in revival? Because let me tell you something about revival. It's really messy. They're, they're going to be... It's messy. Because you know what sinners do? They sin. Oh my God. Do you know you got sinners in that church? Thank God. That's as crazy as saying, do you know you have sick people in the hospital? No, I just, I thought this was a warehouse to store good folks. I mean, If God's, <laughs> I'm looking at Dermon. Dermon's going, he's going, you're off the hook today, buddy. <laughs> if you know, you know, you'll, you'll know what this, con- I'm losing, I'm not keeping the chili in the bowl. The reality is I believe God wants to do something, but it's going to take all of us doing it. See, the thing is, it's like, oh, I thought we paid you to be friendly. Ooh, wait a second. That, that was a zinger. See how you do that? See, I get your guard down when you're laughing and then whack. No, we, we, have to, we all have to make a decision. Do you know there's people that can actually come and go in a church this size and no one will ever know they came or left? That's got to stop. I want you to think about Paul the Apostle before a moment. Paul was born in Tarsus, educated in Jerusalem, lived in Damascus, spent large amounts of time in the desert, moved to Antioch, and that was only the beginning. Ultimately, he ventured out of Antioch on three extensive missionary campaigns, traveling from city to city, yet everywhere he went, he established a group of people who came together in supportive and encouraging communities. And it was the mark of the New Testament church. So how do you know this? So you might ask me, you say, how do you know this is true? Let me just show you one thing. Because Jesus said, we are his body. We are his body. Now look at the funny thing about a body is there are all kinds of different parts. My hand does not look like my foot. My nose does not look like my big toe. Thank God. (laughs) But do you know when the body is functioning the way it's supposed to, that there are different parts doing different things? In fact, some of them will actually be going in opposite directions, but it's all because they're trying to accomplish what the head has determined. See, and I can prove it to you. So Pat Philly's sitting right there on the front row, and Pat is sitting there, very nice, and if she decides, okay, it's time to go, I'm going to get up, her head will instruct her body to get up. Different parts of her body will be going up, other parts of her body will be going down, some will be putting pressure upward, some will be putting pressure downward, but they are all accomplishing the same thing. The problem is, is we get into church and we want to hang out with people that are just like us because we have no value for variety. We have no value for different. 
It's true. Why do you think there's clicks? Because it's easier. We like the path of least resistance. It takes no effort for people to hang around, for me to hang around people that think and act like I do. It's easy. But God says, I don't want you doing that because you're a part of a body and you are to be connected to parts that are different than you. Because you have something they don't. And they have something you don't. And you, do you know, I, I am so far off these notes, so you're just going to have to. So I'm going to read my last scripture here. I want you to listen to this. And so those of you in the booth, this is um, Ephesians 4. Listen, just listen to this for a moment. It says, Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, it says, And he himself, Jesus, that is, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. This my job, in some verses it says this, for the equipping of the saints, it says for the edifying, my job is to equip you. And you... Do the work of the ministry. Just throwing that out there. For the edifying of the body, till we all come into the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, a perfect man to the measure and stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. This is awesome. This could be a seri sermon series right here. By the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things in him, into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, now, uh, from the whole body, joined and knit together, now listen, by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. That is the plan of God for the church. But it begins by being friendly. What does that mean? That means that I'm probably going to have to speak to people I don't know. That means I'm going to have to really love them. That means I am going to have to genuinely have affection for them. That means I'm going to have to eagerly be hospitable. And I'm going to have to prepare to bless them. Are you hearing me? Because this is what we've got to overcome. Our church, and I'm speaking now to our church. Our church over the years, for whatever reason, gained a culture. And that culture is that once you get in, and you're on the inside, you're okay. But as long as you're on the outside, we don't know you. So how do you know that? I was talking to a couple the other day, and they said, not a lot of people talk to us. <laughs> Is it getting rough yet? We create a culture where we're, we're familiar with people that we like. And it's like our four no more. What we ought to do is get out of that church. Because that is the conviction of the Holy Spirit.
And look at, you know when Paul the Apostle wrote, he wrote all about the sin and stuff, and he goes, of whom I'm chief? I'll wear it. I'm chief in this, man. I'm part of the author of the culture. But I feel the conviction. You say, maybe you're in this place and you say, well, pastor, you know, I do really well at this. Then, you know what, this is not a sermon to convict. This is a sermon to encourage. To say, keep on doing it. Keep going forward. Do more. But if you're here today and you say, well, man, that's getting a little close to home. It is for me. It's right on the nerve. And God wants me to change. He wants you to change. He wants me. I, 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 it's very easy. I've told, some of you, I've told this. I've even wore it like a badge. I, I would say in times past, if you need to find me, I'm usually hiding under my desk in my office. As a joke, I would say that. But it wasn't far from the truth. So today, today, 8.30, at 8 o'clock, I left my office I came out here. There was nobody here. Jason and the worship team shook all their hands, I think. I don't know. I don't know. Where's Brandy? Did I shake your hand, Brandy? I don't know. Maybe not. But somewhere along the line, I got to get out. I got to go talk to people. And so do you. We need to love one another. Because there are people that are truly hurting in this place that are people that need to be loved. There are people that need the love of Jesus, and it might be this is the only place they will ever receive it. They need us to step up. There's a church you all know. Amy went there um, for three years to school, BSSM. She went, she went up there, Bethel Church, Bill Johnson. A lot of people have asked me, well, you want to be Bethel? No, I don't want to be Bethel. I want to be New Life. That's what I want to be. But there's stuff at Bethel that I like, and one of the things that I like that they do really, really well is they love and they honor well. They love and honor well. They let people be themselves. It's okay. Be you. Now, if there's a problem, if you're sinning, we'll come to you and say, knock that off. But be you. But let's love one another. I got to, I, 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 look, here, I'll turn the table. It's easy now. I got all kinds of notes. All that, I just skipped all that stuff right there. That's all that. See that right? Whoa, whoa that's, this, this, this is my text right here. So I got to there. And then I skipped all that, and then I read that verse. And he's asking, why do you do that? The reason I do that is because I want you to know this is really deeply on my heart. Uh, and, and it's deeply on my heart for a couple reasons. Is because one, it is something that I desperately need to change in me. But two, it's something that desperately needs to change in our church. We need to be a friendly church. We used to, one of our taglines was this. Back when we were downtown, Pastor Howard under him, we used to say we are a friendly family church with a world vision. I'm thinking to some degree we may need to adopt that. 
But let's not adopt it unless we actually will be it. Amen? And I pray today that you receive this in the spirit in which I've delivered. I've tried to make it somewhat funny. And I've tried to let you know that, that I'm not coming as, a, as a, an authority that, like, you, if you learn from me, you'll get better. I'm coming to you as a, a fellow journey, journey per, a fellow traveler, that's the word. I'm coming as a fellow wrestler. I'm wrestling with this too. And I come to you because I want to, you know, we've had such words given to this church that this building can't hold what God wants to do. And I don't care about having a big church. That's, there was a day when I was young that I wanted a big church because everybody could look at me and go, ooh, look at you, you have a big church. I could care less. I'm, 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 I'm under no illusion as to the work a big church brings. What I want is I want people truly saved. I want to see people go to heaven. I want to I, I see people that, that are hurting, that have broken hearts healed. I want to see them with joy again. I want to see people that are completely lost and don't know what to do find a home. I want people who are physically tormented free. Because all of that's promised in the Word of God. Jesus said in Luke 4.18, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach to the brokenhearted, to preach the gospel, to, to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captive free. That's what I want. I don't care if it's 50 or 5,000. That's not my point. But the thing that did happen in Jesus' day, when people got out of the way and let Jesus just be Jesus, thousands followed him. That's my vision. That's my heart. And I'm not so proud to say that it starts here. Why don't you bow your heads? Father, we just come before you right now in Jesus' name. And Father, I thank you for every person in this room. I thank you for those that are in this room that are actually doing what we've talked about. And God, I encourage them. And I want, Lord, you to encourage them to continue to do that, to step up even more. And Father, for those of us that struggle, I pray that we would re re receive the conviction. God, that we would make a decision that says, I'm going to go forward. I'm going to get out of my shell. I'm going to get out of myself. And I'm going to make connections. Not connections that are just superficial, but I'm going to really make some friendships. And Father, let us be a church. Let, us, let it be said of us that we are a friendly family church with a world vision. Let, us, let, let people say that of us. If anything, Lord, if they say that if you just want to feel loved, go to New Life, they'll love you. That would be good enough. But Lord, we know that you have more. We know that you want to heal and deliver and set free 
provide and make a way where there seems to be no way. And I pray God blessing over every person in this room right now. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask my ministry team if they would come. If they would come up, just come stand right up here. Don't get moving around just yet. I know we're, we're, we're kind of having to go through a little bit of a retraining. <clears throat> Please, let's... I told this in the 8.30. I said we got into a kind of a nasty habit of, we can empty a church quick. We Man, it's like the building's on fire. Look, at, it's already late. It's, it's really not. It's only quarter till. But restaurants are already full, so it's too late. Oh, you're not getting there. You're not getting your seat. You're going to have to wait. <laughs> Sorry. It's over. So you know what? Fellowship. Find somebody you don't know. Say, hey, man, welcome. Glad to see you. What's your name? And you know what? Let that, let that be real, okay? The reason we bring these guys up is because if you have a need of any kind, we want to make sure that you don't leave this place without us praying for you. And so come on up. Well, I don't care what need it is. Big or small, don't matter. It does not matter what need it is. Come on up. Let them pray for you. Let's stand to our feet all across this place. We're going to release you today. God bless you. We love you. You have a great day. We'll see you next week. God bless. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.